Hey guys, give your uh, join together. Give a warm Northwest Hills welcome, Jonathan Martin. Man, we're so glad you're back. Listen. Pastor Jonathan Martin is on staff of at Good Shepherd Community Church in Boring, Oregon, just outside of the Portland metro area there. It is an amazing church with really a historic pastor. I've got a lot of Stu Weber books on my shelf over there. Yeah, Stu Weber's a long pastor there. And they're a great partner church with us uh, in reaching the world with the good news of Jesus. And that's what this Go emphasis. If you noticed in your, uh, in your program, it's sort of themed toward the Olympics with its colorization. And because in just a few days, the Olympics are starting. And the world will be gathering in South Korea to compete. And we don't desire to compete with the world. We have a message that we desire to share with the world. And it starts right here on the streets of Corvallis. And it goes into our nation. And it goes around the world. And uh, Jonathan's here to encourage us in that mission, to challenge us and charge us in that mission. And he is a wonderful, wonderful speaker, a great, faithful pastor, and it's our privilege to have you here today. God bless you and a warm welcome. Thank you, Jonathan. Hey, is this, wasn't that fun seeing the highlight reel? You know, that, that wasn't an introduction. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of introduction as a highlight reel of running that kind of... So anyway, Giovanni, that amazed me. Um, but also, you know, isn't it fun to see like a real-life professional football player? It's like, what do they look like? What do they look like without their pads? I'm not sure why he wore them this morning, but um, the funny thing about that shirt that he has is that is actually a loose-fitting shirt, as loose as you can get them, and it's still tight, and those are relaxed-fit jeans he had on, but gosh, how is anybody built like that? It's unbelievable, so hey, it's really good to be here. Some of you may remember me. I was here about four or five years ago, and the guy in his pajamas, do you remember that, some of you? Okay, yeah. They don't remember a thing I said, but the fact I had pajamas on, they remember me. So um, it's very good to be back. And speaking of the NFL, how many of you guys about my age, 50 and above, you'll remember this guy? He has a nickname. It's Bannerman, as he's been... How many of you guys remember that on any network television show, at least, I think it was CBS that did it, but every CBS NFL show that was televised, when... A field goal was kicked, or when the extra point was kicked, back behind the goalpost, because the camera's always showing it go through, up pops this guy with a sign, and what does it say on it? So you guys remember. Did you guys realize that that was so intentional? He traveled. He knew what was going to be televised at the beginning of the season. He found out, and he went to that game, and he got seats behind the goalpost so he could pop up and do a sign. Same guy, just appearing over and over And all of us, that verse, John 3.16, if you want to sum up what God did for us, it's right there in John 3.16. How many of you was that your first verse that you memorized, John 3.16? Okay, most of you. So let's say it together. Just let's say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know what's amazing about what we just did? We all spoke the same version. Did you notice that? I think I heard one voice that tried to leave out begotten, and we didn't let you. Because, um, because you know, it's all the same version. We learn it. It's, it's the only thing. At our church, we've been doing the Lord's Prayer, and, and we try to do it together, and everybody's trespasses, debts, sins. You know, it's different versions. And, and it's, but that verse, we're just united in. Why? And we should be. 
because it summarizes the gospel, God's love for us, what Jesus did for us, that he gave his son. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. Why? So we can have everlasting life, so we can be restored to the Father forever. Isn't that an amazing verse? And of all the verses in Scripture that are central as to what God did for us, boom, that's it, and we have it memorized. Good for us. But there's another section right here. What we're talking about is the centrality of the Great Commission. So that's what God did for us, but what are we, the church, called to do? And the sad reality is if you go around the United States and you go into a church and you go, okay, what is the mission? What, what is the church supposed to do? What is the church all about? Do you know how many answers you'll get? About as many people as you ask. Well, that's a good question. I think we're like here to have some fellowship. We're here to have some Bible teaching. We're supposed to do some good somewhere. And yet it's very clear in Scripture, and yet it's not taught that there is a mission for the church. And we are all called, every church, if we claim the name of Jesus, is called to the same mission. And it's crystal clear, and it's cover to cover in the Bible. It's central, and it's this thing we call the Great Commission. So what we're going to do, and I tested last hour. Last hour was really impressive. We're going to do the Great Commission and see if we know that as well as John 3.16. You guys ready? Okay, so Jesus goes to his men and he says this. Ready? All authority in heaven, and there are all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, okay, of what? All nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And then I'll give you a hint. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey, observe. See the translation thing? We're getting it there. Okay. Obey, observe, do. Teaching them to obey, observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, whoever lo is, right? Uh And lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. The reason I said that, I have a friend named Lo, and he said, that verse was written for me. So, um, Lo, I am with you always. Um, so, you did good. You did really good. And it's really vital that the church have that memorized, because I'm going to show you that this is our central command as the people of God, people who have come into the kingdom. And, and if we don't get that, then guess what we don't do? what he's called us to do, what our mission is as the church. Let's go back and look at this commission. First of all, when in Jesus' life and ministry did he say these things? Okay, beginning, middle, um, right before he died, or after he died and was resurrected. Where was it in there? After he died and before he was ascended, excuse me. After he died and before he ascended. So it's really right there at the very end. In the book of Matthew, it's the very last thing he says. And then even in the book, Luke and Acts, he rewords it, but it's pretty much the same thing. He says, Jerusalem, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So we have it reworded in, in a couple of different ways. But the fact is, is it's right before he goes back to be with uh, the Father. So on the scale of things, if it's your last words, your very last things that you're saying to somebody and you know you're leaving, where is that on the scale of importance? Very, very, very high. You know, um, 
When my father was dying, he said things that were the most important to him. He knew he was going to be gone in a little while. And the things he said were at the most important level. And, and our ears were open in the greatest way. So this is what, he's, what is on his heart, and here he commissions. So let's just take a look at it. Here he commissions his men. So Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority. Okay, does anybody know that Greek word, all, what it means? You, you guys are great Greek scholars. You got it. All <laughs> means all, okay? But in case you don't get that for whatever reason, he goes in to clarify, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. How much? Given to me in heaven and earth. Okay, it's not just all authority in heaven. It's not just all authority on earth. It's both places. And that really means all, in case you were wondering. All, all authority has been given to me. By God, God has handed him authority. And therefore, he's turning to his disciples now, and he's commissioning them with this all authority commission. You guys see that? It's like, this is big. What's coming down now is huge. And he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Okay, go, therefore, and make disciples. There's two commands there. One's go, and one's make disciples. Which is primary? Go or make disciples? Yeah, it's really interesting in the, in the, in the Greek, and you don't have to get into that stuff. But essentially, it's the same as in English, okay? If your wife, men, tell you, go to the grocery store and get some milk and some eggs, okay? What's the primary command? Get milk and eggs or go? <laughs> Which is it? You see, if she says go to the store, you'll get to the store in, like we do anyway sometimes, and we'll go, oh, crud, what did she tell me to buy? <laughs> right? And so the primary can is, is get milk and eggs, but in order to get milk, eggs, what do you, milk and eggs, what do you have to do? You have to go to the store, Okay, so the go is not primary, but it's telling you how, what you have to do in order to get it done. Does that make sense? So go and make disciples of what? Of all the nations. In order to, to make disciples of all nations, what do you have to do? Go. And some people say, well, it's as you're going. Well, it's more than as you're going. Yes, it's as you're going, but it's not just as, as you're going. It has to be very intentional. It's like, honey, as you're going, get milk and eggs. It doesn't work, Okay. You've got to go to the store. You've got to actually be intentional about it. You can get milk and eggs as you're going. But the point is, is that is what we have to do in order to make that happen. Why? Because other than right here in Corvallis, all the nations don't generally come to you. But, you know, they almost do here. Isn't that amazing at a university town? They almost come here. But no place in history has that been true. But it's, man, the nation's right here at your doorstep. It's pretty an amazing, it's an amazing opportunity. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Look at the all, the word all again. They're all authority, heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And we see that reiterated in Scripture, in Revelation. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So it just, it's all-inclusive. It's everybody. You see it back in Daniel. You see it in, in the Great Commission. You see it in the book of Revelation. It's every. And then... He describes how we do that, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The completion, there's the all again, all of who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're baptizing him into all he is. And baptism is a picture of what, the beginning of the Christian walk or the middle or the end? It's the beginning. It's a picture of death and resurrection. It's a picture of a new birth. 
It's the picture you're born into this new family. You're coming up brand new. Even the analogy Jesus says, born of water and the Spirit, he's, he's comparing these two different kinds of births, unless you're born again. So baptizing, getting them born, getting them into the kingdom, getting them this new life, baptizing in all who God is. And the next piece is how we make disciples. First one, baptizing them, getting them going in their faith. The next piece, teaching them, right? Yes and no. It's, it's not just teaching them. It's teaching them to, to observe, to obey, to do. And is there a difference between teaching somebody information and teaching them to obey and to do? You can teach a two-year-old. We have a two-year-old granddaughter who's living with us because my, wife, my daughter's husband's in the Navy. And so we're teaching her to do what? Obey. And if I say, honey, you need to obey, does she understand what that means? No, you can teach her and tell her, but that, that doesn't work. You have to demonstrate. You have to do with. You have to go alongside and show her what that looks like. Because they don't just know. And it's the same thing. This kind of teaching is radically different than any other kind of teaching that we get. And it can't be accomplished. And and I know, I know Mike agrees with me. It can't be accomplished just from standing up here and talking. That's not how it's accomplished. Discipleship is accomplished by, just like it is with a parent with a child, by going alongside with people, by helping them at every turn. As, As Giovanni was telling him, it's this chaplain who's living with him day in and day out. That's how Giovanni's life is being changed by somebody who's raising him up. And for what purpose? What, what, we raise our children, we teach them all that we know, hopefully, and we want them to, to be as good as us as, or better than us, ultimately. Our children, we want to surpass us. Same thing with discipleship. We want them to, to grow in all, and we want them to surpass. Even Jesus said to his disciples, greater things, greater works you're going to do than I'm done, right? And by golly, the things that they did were amazing. And Jesus, it wasn't a figure of speech. He raised them to go out and do greater things. And the world was, he changed 12 men. And the 12 men changed the world. So we are raising them to surpass us, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Some people go, and, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Some people have said it traditionally, this is, this is not for the church, this is just for the disciples. Is that true? How do we know it's for the church? Well, he told this to the disciples. And, so, so, and they go, this is just for missionaries. This isn't for the whole church. It's just for missionaries. You go do your thing over there, folks. Reach all nations while, while we sit here and watch soap operas. No, that's not, that's not what it's about. Okay, So it's, it's for everyone. But how do we know from this? Well, first of all, has the end of the age come? The disciples died a long time ago, and he says, I'm going to be with you. So this command is more for than just the, more for than the disciples because they died, and the end of the age hasn't come. And he says, I'll be with you till the end. We're here today. The end hasn't come, and he's saying he's with us. This is to us clearly, those who are going to be beyond them. But there's another piece here, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Is this something that Jesus commanded his disciples to do? Yes or no? Yes. So does that include it in all? And the meaning of the Greek word is all. Is that part of all? Yeah. So this is part of what they're to teach everybody, especially the final thing. So, man, we have a job. 
cut out for us is to learn to grow in Christ and to impart all that we've learned through our experience and our knowledge to the next generation. It's having spiritual children and seeing them go on. Now, is this really central to the Bible, or is this just some missionary coming in saying, hey, you need to be excited about missions? Well, let's go back. If it's central to the Bible, we should see it early on in the Bible, shouldn't we? This type of thing, and that it is central. So let's go back. Let's try the very first. If this is the last thing Jesus said, let's try the first thing that God said. Recorded in Scripture. It's actually not the first thing he said, but it's the first thing he said to man and woman together. And it is the first thing written in the Bible in Genesis 1.28. And what did he say after he created man and woman in his image? He spoke to them, and what did he say to them? The first commission. Hey, watch this. It's really interesting. Be fruitful and multiply. Do you see that anywhere in here? Make disciples. Disciples do what? They multiply. That's what he's saying. So be fruitful. Make disciples of all nations. Be fruitful and multiply. Then he said what? God in the first commission. Be fruitful and multiply. What was it? Fill the earth. Is there anything like filling the earth here? Oh, whoa. Make disciples of what? All nations. See, go out there to the very ends of the earth. It's it's repeated in the gospel in different words. So it's everywhere. So fruitful and multiply, have spiritual children, baptizing them, getting them born, getting them raised to maturity, which means helping others get born. It's right here. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, it's the same thing reiterated in a different context. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And let me go back to that garden. In the garden... Um, I asked this, and if you were here four or five years ago, you may remember, so you'd just be quiet. And if you're here last service, that's cheating. So um, you don't answer. But the Garden of Eden, good place. Okay place, good place, very good place, perfect place. Perfect. And that's, that's what we've all been taught. So I have a secondary question. What in the world was Satan doing there? Okay, a perfect place with Satan, the evil one, there. Is that a perfect place? Okay, it makes you a question. It's like this. Think of your dream home. Okay, and I say, well, maybe, maybe that's not the best thing because I'm teaching you to covet right here in church. But go ahead. Let's covet for just a few minutes for sake of... Um, so think of your dream home. What would it look like? And, you know, mine would be a, a, a lodge on a lake, and it would just it would be gorgeous, and I can imagine everything. And so in that dream home, you might, you might have mar- a marble fireplace, you might have a marble staircase, you might have, you know, all these amazing things. But no doubt you can have climate control in there, you can have food in your kitchen, you're going to be prepared for it, you're going to have all these things. So there's only one small place. You're, you're in that house now, right? And you're upstairs. I dream about coming down to the kitchen in the morning and just seeing your beautiful home. But there's only one small problem. On your way down, somewhere lurking is a rabid, hungry lion. And he wants to kill you. He's somewhere in the house. We don't know exactly where. Okay? Perfect home? Uh, there's a big problem with that perfect home. You're probably going to be eaten. Okay? So the garden has the evil one in it. Now, yes, the garden was perfect in this, in this sense. Ready? All of our needs in every way were met. And I say ours because I identify with Adam and we identify with Eve. So how were they met? Okay, God put them in this beautiful place. 
Did they have all the food they needed? All the were they met? Was that need met? Okay, need met. Number two, um, relational needs were they met? Yeah, husband and wife. Spiritual needs met. Relationship with God? Yes or no? Yes, relationship with God. Um, needs for clothing were they met? Ooh. They didn't need them. It was climate control. They had a perfect climate control in that garden, so they didn't need clothes, just like your perfect home would have. So every need, every need was met, okay, in the Garden of Eden, correct? Okay. Now watch this. Let's fast forward to Jesus. Okay, in that perfect environment, how did man do? And standing up against the evil one. With all of his needs met. And not only not so good, let's say, let's say what it really was. Bad. Okay? Not only did we sin, we sided with the enemy. You know, it's really interesting. We go back to that original command. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. And anybody know the next word? Subdue it. What an interesting term. Because here, they're in this garden. Here, they're in this, this beautiful close to perfect place, and God uses a warfare term. So in other words, he's basically talking to Adam and Eve, you, you guys have a job to do, and it's big, and subdue, if you go back and look at the rest of the way that word subdue, go back yourself and look it up in the concordance, how that word's used, and go look at it the rest of the Old, Old Testament. War, 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 war. Oh, that's not war. He's saying to Israel... You have subdued your children. In other words, you've taken your own children captive and oppressed them. Okay? It's still a warfare term, even in that place. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a warfare term. So why is God using a warfare term in the garden except for the fact that when they go, they're being commissioned. They're actually being... The ends of the earth, that actually means leaving... Filling the earth means leaving the garden. So, well, if it's a warfare term, who's our battle against? Well, guess what? We find in the next chapter... His name is Satan. He's in the garden. Eden was the perfect, all of our needs met, all of our riches supplied battlefield. And how did we do? Not only did we fail the battle, but he won the battle. And he is the one that subdued the earth. You go, wait a second. Did he subdue the earth? Who was called the prince of this world? The prince of this power darkness? And John says, and we know the whole world is under control of the evil one. You see, what God had made us in his image to take his love and to multiply and to go to the ends of the earth was going to push Satan out. It was a battle. All we had to do is follow our commander-in-chief in that love relationship that we had. And boom, he was, he was doomed. And he would be destroyed. So the question is, was man... This, who was here first? Was Satan here first before man, or did he fall after man was created? Where did, and we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. All we know is the very first thing out of God's mouth is, let's go to war. Let's take this one down. And we lost. And as I've looked at it more, I go, you know what? I think man was created. Man was created, what? To take out evil. He created us in his image to do that work in conjunction with us, in relationship with us, to take out the evil one. And what did we do? We sided with him. So, 
Right after that, he tells, after we side with him and we've just blown it and we are now traitors and now we are on the evil side, he comes in and, and he, he says something to he says something to Eve, which is fascinating. He says, Eve, through your seed, what? One will come through your seed, which is a really interesting thing because man has the seed, okay? In every culture, it's funny. That word seed means something that we don't usually talk about in church, okay? Um, but put it this way. One time, my brother does translation for a, for a people group, and they use the same word for seed. And one time, they were selling pistachios, and they had the wrong word on the package, and they said, pistachio, S-E-M-E-N, okay? And it said on the package, and since my brother does translation, he goes, this is a problem on your package. You might want to change this. And um, the guy was horrified what it said on his, um... okay, so that's what seed means. That's the word they use. And so to say that for the woman doesn't make any sense. That's the weirdest thing ever. Through your seed, through the woman, through your seed, one will come. And he, not just seed, seeds, but he, one, will come. And what will he do? The serpent will bruise his heel, but he will bruise. It says it's the same word back. What he does to your heel, he will do back, bruise the head. So then Abraham, he says, calls out Abraham out of all the nations. Abraham, I'm going to make you for you a great nation. And through your nation, what? All nations will be blessed. So wait, someone's going, hey, you know that great commission? That, wasn't that given to, to Noah too? Didn't Noah say, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth? Did it say that? Did it say subdue it? Go read it. It's not there. The earth had already been subdued. You see? It's not there the second time. It's there with Adam and Eve, but not with Noah. So then, who is the second Adam? The first one fails, treachery, sides with the evil one. He tells Abraham, he tells David, there's one coming, one coming. And through him, this head's going to be crushed. All nations will be blessed. It's going to go to the ends of the earth again. We failed the first time around, but it's going to go. So Jesus is called the second Adam. First one failed. Second Adam shows up on the scene. He's baptized. And where does he go? Into the same place Adam and Eve faced off, right in the face of the evil one. You ever notice that? First thing he does. First thing Adam and Eve... First thing in Jesus' ministry, he goes. But this time, it's no longer the garden where all of the needs are met. This time, it's the desert. It's the wilderness. And this time, not all of your food needs are met. This time, there is what? No food. Fasting for 40 days at a time of ultimate weakness. All of your relational needs are met. Well, really none except your relationship, his relationship with his father. He's alone in the wilderness. And here comes the tempter at his time of greatest weakness. And what does Jesus do? stands firm, obeys out of his love for the Father. And Satan does what? Leaves. Isn't that amazing? That's why I think, that's how we would have taken over the world originally, is obey in love, and boom, Satan has to flee. But no, disobedience, and Satan takes us over. This world is controlled by the evil one. Then Jesus, when he dies and resurrects, and he deals a blow. He bruises the serpent's head. But is it crushed? You guys, is his head crushed yet? No, it's been dealt a fatal wound. When will it be crushed and how will it be crushed? Paul writes to Romans. You go back and look at the end of Romans. And it says, hey, your obedience has been made known to all. He says to the Romans. That's an interesting word, your obedience. Where else do we have it? Well, it's back in Genesis. And the God of all grace will soon crush Satan. Where? Under your feet. 
You see, Jesus lives in us. How is he going to crush the serpent once and for all? Under the feet of the church. In this kingdom of darkness, there came a great light. And when we trust Jesus and he comes, we, we are born into this kingdom, and the kingdom is pushing the evil one back. When we see this commission, he's saying, how do we defeat the enemy? This one who's filled with hatred and lies and destructions, and we take love and truth and healing. It's totally what we're all about. This is the commission of the church, and it's to go to the ends of the earth. So don't let it be unclear in your thinking what our role is. Then you, then you see this all the way through, all the way through the end of Revelation, and it says every tribe, every tongue, every nation, to the ends of the earth. Jesus himself says to every tribe, every tongue, then the end will come. And the end's not going to come. And the end of the age comes when? When we've gone to every people and the gospel's been preached to some of the earth or all. And the Greek word for all means all. So we're all called to be a part of the Great Commission. Does that mean all of you go? Well, all of you go and reach your neighbors and you reach your fellow students in the university. Yes, we all, but the church, we have to be involved in getting people out there to those places where the gospel has not yet gone because that's our commission. That's the church. And you have a role in that, not, not just reaching your neighbors, yes, but helping those who God has chosen to go by helping them go. And then in that way, we all are going, and we go with them. We go with them in prayer. We go with them in giving. We are really there, and we're really behind our people. So the question I have is, um, some people have argued, it's just, you know, my job is right here. No, your job is right here, with a view to the ends of the earth. Why is... Coca-Cola everywhere in the world. You know, when I was in Karamoja, that's where you guys have been partnering for a while. When I first got there 10 years ago, it was the most backward place I'd seen on the planet. Um, And I remember going into a town, no electricity, pretty good-sized town, dirt streets, buildings on the corner. And we go into this restaurant, and literally they're out. It's going to take a while for us to eat because they have to pluck the chicken first. So they're plucking the chicken, and they're cooking the rice. And we were sitting there for a long time. Candles are lit because that's the only form of light they have in this place. It is dirty dirt floor, every, you know, it's just out in the middle of nowhere, dangerous, very dangerous. You have to go by convoy to go anywhere, except when you're with Dr. Val, then you just go. Um, and so people are going by convoy, and so they bring out the chicken, they bring out this, this overcooked rice, and guess what else they brought out? Coca-Cola. I go, how in the heck did they get here? Well, they got there. Why? Because their goal was to reach the world. That's what Coca-Cola's, they were the first American product in China. They were first. Okay? So the reason this is the way it is, it, it won't just happen if we reach our neighborhood. It won't. You know, hey, I reached my neighborhood with Coke. You know, that doesn't reach Karamoja with Coke. The goal, the mission is the ends of the earth. Yes, you reach your neighbor, but you reach your neighbor with a view to the ends of the earth. Because why? It says, make disciples of all nations. And we know what all means now, don't we? Every single one. It's the very first commission in the Bible, and we now fulfill it through the commission of Jesus and the power of Jesus. He's with us to the very end of the age. The end of the age comes when that's fulfilled, when all nations have heard. It's a calling for all of us, so be involved. How am I involved? Here's what it looks like. It's being fruitful and multiplying, growing to a place in your faith. And it's scary, but God grows so I can multiply. I can 
give birth to new spiritual children who know Christ, that I can help raise them up to maturity so they can be even a better parent than I am. That's how it works. That's what making disciples is. That's, this is the recommission of the broken one in the first chapter of the Bible. It's central. It's what the whole Bible is about. Let me give you a story when I was in college, because some of you are well, you're in a college town. And there was this guy on our campus, and he was called by everybody to be the wildest guy on campus. They would sit there with the Beta Chi members. He would sit there in the cafeteria, and I'd watch this. And it was really, really actually pretty disgusting because they would judge every woman that went by their table. And you could see them judging them, you know, and talking. And there was one girl named Lisa. She, she had sort of a disheveled hair. She, she wasn't very beautiful, wore, gla- you know, wore the ugliest glasses you could possibly ever find. She wore them. And she comes in, and she, I think she had autism. Looking back, she definitely was on the autism spectrum somewhere. You know, we didn't know about that as much back then. But she would come and sit with us believers. But I remember when she'd come in, because she was a believer. She was a neat lady. She'd come in, go by the table, and they would just plug their nose. You know, they didn't, she didn't see it. It's once her past. And they would just, you know, start talking with looks of disgust on their face because they judged everybody by appearance. And this wild guy, Tim, was sitting with them in hearty approval and going along with this. So... Tim was in trouble. You know, he was drinking a lot. He, he actually had a bumper, bumper sticker on, his, on the glove compartment door on the passenger side of the seat that said, I'm the guy your mother always warned you about. And so when a girl's on a date, he just lets him know what he's all about right away. Why not? Let's not beat around the bush. He was the greatest womanizer on our campus, hands down. Okay, that's who he was. At least he warned you first, right? Okay. Very kind of him. Um, so he was a drummer in a rock band, out of control, doing pot. But it's funny, he had this, this poster on his wall of U2, and, and they're sort of, you know, this sort of Christian band. We talk about U2. I got in a conversation with him. I liked him. He, he knew I was the head of the God Squad. We didn't. He, everybody on a 500 person campus, you know, know who the believers are who are reaching out in, in love to others. And so I was the head of the God Squad. And, but he liked me. We had a connection. And one of his RA's name was Ernie. He'd been a believer for a year. And I said, Ernie, we're going down to Colorado, some of us guys, for a spring break. Can you go invite Tim to go with us? So Ernie goes, okay. So he goes into Tim's room. Hey, Tim, why don't you go to Colorado with us? And he goes, with the God Squad? He goes, yeah, yeah, come on down with the God Squad. He goes, I really should. Yeah, I'll go with you. And so he comes over. Ernie's all excited. Tim says he's going to go with us. And I said, Tim, I said, Ernie, go back to Tim right now and tell him that Satan is going to do everything in his power to keep him from going. And Ernie looks at me like, what? Ernie's a new believer. I said, just go back and tell him. Okay, so he goes back sort of sheepishly, goes into Tim, Tim's room and says, Tim, just so you know, Satan's going to do everything in your power, in his power, to keep you from going with, with us on this spring break trip. And, and Tim goes, well, whatever, you know. And then Ernie walks out. That, was, that didn't go very well, and he felt real dumb. But right after Ernie walks out, two minutes later, phone rings. An old girlfriend from down in California, bad girlfriend, that says, Tim, why don't you come home for spring break and da-da-da, and we can, you know, da-da. And he's like listening. Right after Ernie says, Satan's going to do everything. And Tim goes, crud, this is Satan on the phone right now. <laughs> And he goes, well, no, I'm actually planning to go skiing. And he hung up, and he goes, that was weird. I don't know how much it was, a half hour, a couple hours, whatever. Not long after that, his parents call and say, Tim, come home. We'll fly you home. 
We want you to come home for spring break. And by that time, he's going, no, I'm going to Colorado. Had we not warned him that Satan was going to do this? Now, was it Satan himself? No. When I say Satan, I'm talking about the kingdom and forces of darkness. And, and Tim, Tim comes with us. I remember when he got in the van. And we had this orange Volkswagen van that we nicknamed the refrigerator because Volkswagen's never, the heater never works. And driving to Colorado, it's freezing through Idaho. It's and for whatever reason, I'm there in my T-shirt just driving and everybody's freezing. But anyway, um, so he gets into the van. He had smoked pot for the two hours straight before he got into that van. Why? Because he knew it was going to be the last time in seven days that he gets to do drugs. So he just loaded up. He slept the first six hours and he woke up and we got in talk after talk. So one talk was, he said, so Tim, do you, do you know any believers in Jesus? He goes, yeah, I know a few. Well, what is your impression? He goes, oh gosh, I have such respect for them. And I go, really? He says, yeah, it's just like I could never be one though. I go, well, why not? I could never give up sex, is what he said. And so what is he expecting me to do when he says something like that? Give him a pet talk. Sure, you can do it. No, it's like, well, I said, Tim, yeah, that's something, once you've given yourself to it, it becomes an addiction. You're stuck. There's really, I mean, you are. You're absolutely right. You couldn't give it up. I said, that's the amazing thing about Jesus, is he came, and he gave it up for us. He's the one that did the work. And when we place our faith in what he did, and he rose from the dead to show us that he completed the work, it was finished. And we place our faith in him, he's the one that gives it up for us. And he helps us do that through his people, through his word, and just his Holy Spirit indwelling us. There's another guy, Norm, in the van. He goes, yeah, John, you just don't know because you've never had sex. And Tim goes, shut up, Norm. He goes, this makes sense. And on that trip, Tim gave his heart to Jesus. Right near the end, um, and he came back, and the whole campus could not believe it. Such a transformation. So I remember him coming into the cafeteria. He used to come in every morning just like hungover like this. Now he'd come into the cafeteria in the morning smiling. I remember one time he came in, and he saw his Beta Chi friends there. He'd still sit with them at times, but he saw him sitting there. He's smiling, and he looks over, and he sees Lisa. And he walks right over and sits down and gets into a conversation with her. Radical transformation from despair to freedom, you know, from slavery to freedom, despair to happiness, from lust to love. And I've seen Muslims, when they've come to faith, the hatred just, just is gone. I've watched the Karamoa, Karamoja miracle of these warring tribes forgive. It's the power of the gospel. It's making disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe and do Tim, today, still walking with Jesus, making an incredible impact. He's a businessman, but he has this foundation where he's doing digital discipleship and sending it around the world and getting people that don't have access to things to discipleship and how to grow in their faith. It's amazing what Tim is doing to this day, walking with Jesus all these years later. So, spiritual children who will surpass us and have spiritual children. Be fruitful. Multiply. And let's fill the earth. Let me pray. Lord, what a privilege to be a part of this fellowship, to be a part of your church. And Lord, thank you that you made it clear what we are called to do, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything, Lord Jesus, your, your glorious commandments. May we teach them to obey and to do And thank you for being with us even to the end of the age.